Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Talking About the Big Stuff podcast with Michael Cole and Matthew Cravat. I am Michael Cole. And I am Matthew Cravat. Hi. Hey, I apologize for the boxes behind me, but my mother-in-law is staying with us for a couple of weeks, and we cleaned out a room to make a bedroom for her, and, uh, yeah. You don't have to apologize. As you can I'm not apologizing see. to you. I'm apologizing to all the other people on the planet who are seeing my crap. Yeah, well, at least your crap is sound. I think the ceiling fan is being pretty quiet, so I'm keeping it on for right now. But, yeah, it is. It's hot, so I got the ceiling fan going. All right. Uh, do we want to jump right into it, then? We can jump into whatever you want to jump into, big boy. All right, so tonight's topic um, is something that I have tried to explain my opinion on to people, and they look at me as if I'm fucking crazy. And so I thought, why not uh, let you, Matthew, and the audience uh, hopefully help join me, in on the crazy, help me with this. So I'll, I'll start. I'll start us off with one of the two examples that I have. And we can just kind of go from there. All right. All right. So I think that whether whether it's been on purpose or not, I'm not sure. Uh, but I think that the word victim has been uh, has been taken over in such a way as to help victimizers or perpetrators or however we want to refer to them uh, hurt people and. And basically give those victims no voice in in uh, fixing that or justice or however we want to refer refer to it. Just to give you an example, we we've vilified victimhood to such an extent, and I think that that is a, it's been very specifically an attempt. And I think there is some there's some there's some of it that I think is probably done with a mind toward helping victims take ownership. And but like I think that it's really overstepped that, and it is on the other side of things. So I think we we have this idea of like I don't want to be a victim. I'm no I'm no victim, but very often people are victims, and we've made it such a dirty taboo word that I think that we've we've been able to kind of like make it easier for people to to fuck other people over and and hurt people and then they have very little linguistic recourse to to own what happened to them what do you think i think uh maybe you have a little bit of hyperbole in your opening line that the word's been taken over and doesn't mean it anymore but i definitely think there is a shared usage where the people who are use your term, let's say victimizers, or just people who like to demean victims, definitely have tried to turn the word into a pejorative. You're playing the victim. Mm -hmm. And that a lot of people have probably internalized that and feel like it's a bad thing to admit that you've been victimized because they've heard so many times you're playing the victim. I don't think it's... The reason I would say you had a little bit of hyperbole is I don't think that's universal. Right. Especially in my circles, you know, my wife and daughter being gun victim activists, you know, and, you know, help, helping, um, trying to fight 
violence, gun violence specifically, but violence in general in the community. So they talk about victims all the time, victims and survivors yeah. all the time, and it has a very distinct meaning for them. So I see people who do proactively identify as victims, you know, get up in press conferences and, and talk about it. Yeah. So, so, I, so I don't think it's universal, but I definitely have also seen people, as you say, say, try to own it. I'm not a victim, just like some people don't want to talk about diseases they have, you know, as being a, you know, victim of the disease mm-hmm. kind of thing. They want to be more positive and own it. And I think there's probably healthy ways to do that, but I think you're right. There's probably non-healthy ways too that people have just turned yeah. the word into a pejorative for no reason. Yeah. And I, uh, I don't mean to say that I think everyone has done that, uh, or that everyone uses it that way, but I think that it is, if not, if it's not 50, 50, it's got, it feels like it's close to half the time that victim is used as a pejorative or, you know, yeah. I mean, you have the phrase victim mentality, which automatically casts it as, Oh, if you say you've been hurt, you haven't been, you're just viewing the world that way. Yeah. Yep. And I, but I think there's a, that's a thing that does happen too. people who see everything as being an attack on them, even if it's not. So it's a, it's a dangerous conversation to, to even have, because I think that's a real thing, but I think maybe it's overused also as to keep people down. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think we settled it then. No. Yeah, uh, um, I think that part of, uh, so part of my experience with this is I, I come from, I come from a long fan, a long line of, right, of, conserva- yeah, of conservatives. That's um, what I said. I, I, um, I'm not going to say shit right now about the, right now about their, them, their, their conservatism. What I'm going to, what I'm going to say is, I think that they, you know, old, think old school conservatism and what they claim to be about. And I think one of the things that they claim to be about is, um, and, and that I think my family largely tries to be about this is uh, the personal responsibility. And I will say that uh, to to my family, I think, tries to to believe in that to an extent that I think is extremely unhealthy, but I think they actually believe it. Um, and it's not just like a thing that they use. And I think that kind of goes hand in hand with the victim card. But like, I'll give you an example. When, when I got my license, my grandfather took me to get my license. And when he took me to get my license, he was, you know, his brother had died in a car accident. Um, his nephew had died in a car accident. There was, you know, he knew a lot of, he, he had known a decent amount of car deaths at that point in his life. So you were going to get an easy used car that was hardly used. So that's a good deal. Yeah. So, so he said, he said to me, uh, you know, when we were leaving, when he, we were, he was dropping me off after he took me to get my license. He was saying to me, um, you need to basically trying to impart on me the responsibility, the mental responsibility that driving a car is. And he said, no matter what happens, you're responsible. And, and I said, what if, and I said, what do you mean? And he said, like, if you, if you get in a car accident, you're responsible. And I, and I couldn't understand it. And well, it's the opposite of the word accident. It's how do you say if you're responsible for an accident, that's what accident means. Well, no, but he, you know what he meant? You know what he meant though. (laughs) I I do, but I'm saying that's what he's, what he's saying is is self-contradictory. Yeah. So If, if it's truly an accident, it, it's not your fault. That's yeah. why it's an accident. Yeah. So then I said, well, what if clearly, legally, if you're rear ended, it's not your fault because the person behind you is supposed to be far enough away not to rear end you. Yeah. 
So I said, I said, well, what if, you know, what if the car is parked and somebody slams into it? They're drunk and they slam into it. And he goes, then you shouldn't have been parked there. And, and, and I do, I do agree. You need to have um, like a precognitive ability to know where the safe places to park are. And I think that his, 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 I think what he was trying to, to say is like, you need to, to be as in control of this as possible. And you need to like be as, as thought out and, and, but like it was this lesson in personal responsibility to an extent that I just thought was crazy. And, and I still think that there is a, I still have a, like, I think it's, it's very flawed. Um, but I think that it like it now, you know, I'm twice as old as I was then. And, uh, only twice, not quite three times. Um, 16 times. Yeah, no, I got, I got seven years till I'm three times as old. Uh, but he, um, yeah, I, I think that knowing him and knowing that level of, of it, I was, of, you know, it has filled in a lot of the blank around that weird conversation over the last 23 years. Um, but I, I just, I always think about it that way. And then I'm like, oh yeah, this is why people, he is the kind of, he, he wouldn't hurt anybody. Like my grandfather's not a, like a mean spirited person. He wouldn't do, purposely do anything. But he he certainly like bought the same same logic that can lead people to that like victim being a victim is a problem mentality and I, and and I think like you know as is the case with a lot of conservative ideals there's a part where there's a person where you can you can look at from a lot of conservative ideals you can look at and say they are a good person they believe it in this one way that makes I wouldn't maybe doesn't make sense but it, at least you can understand it but given their their perspective and they're not a cruel person about it and then there's the opposite end and I think that he is like he holds himself to that level which is and and he holds all of us to that level but at the same time like I don't I think if he hit somebody's car he you know he'd immediately you know pay but for what, it what, but what would he think if he if he hit somebody's car? He was is responsible it his fault, or were they responsible? I mean, no, no, he would be he he would say that they're both responsible, and he'd pay for it. I'm sure, and he wouldn't. I don't think he would even fight it. So I don't think you. That's what, I really don't think that he is guilty of the victimizing part of it. I think that he holds himself to a high a higher standard in that way. It's just not like he's, he just believes in a shared responsibility. Each person in it was equally offender and victim. But saying it with, in just a general context without specifics, like yeah. even if you parked your car in your driveway and a drunk driver jumped the curb, went through your um, front window, drove through your living room, out the back door, off the deck, and hit your car that was parked behind the house, you shouldn't have been parked behind your house. That seems a little outrageous to make it a blanket statement. Yeah. I, I think that the way to the way that I kind of look at his the way that I look at it from him and, and, and I think if I to put it as clearly as possible, I would say that I think and, and I'm probably gonna use the wrong term here, so you'll you can correct me, but is it, and I will. it yeah. Is it predeterminism that, you know, like every the the opposite of free will, basically. Yeah, it, it it was going to it was always going to happen. Right. There's no way to avoid it from happening. And so you know, like the and and I think that he almost has that level of 
um, detachment from it to that level of like, it was, yeah, it's your fault because you were supposed to be there to, you know, and, and I, and I think he believes in free will, which is contradictory, but I will, you know, was it, it was dear old dads, I think recent. Well, I don't recently. think it's contradictory. I think, I think, it, I think really he's believing in overly free will. You had choices that would have made that accident not happen that yeah. you didn't choose. And that's why it's your fault. Because if you don't believe in free will, it can't be your fault. You know, there's no free will, then you had no true moral yeah. you know, responsibility. Yeah. There was an episode of, of Dear Old Dads in the last couple of weeks in which they were talking about pre, predeterminism. I think I'm pretty sure it was that. It could have been Cogdis. And they were and they were saying something along the lines of that doesn't mean we don't hold people responsible for their actions. And stuff. That was a while back, but yeah. Okay, I don't, you yeah, yeah. you listen to yeah, patron yeah. feeds, so you get everything a week or two early. <laughs> yeah. I for me that was only three weeks ago. Um, we're living in different timelines. Um, That's a long time to me, though. So <laughs> yeah, but um, so and I remember hearing that, and and that that kind of was like, oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But to me, that's kind of where I think his head is at. Is like it, you know, it's it's similar thinking to you know with this like, and I think the like the version of that that I would agree with. And I think the way I was taught in driving, I remember my driving teacher, Mr. Schindler, um, he had a list. He, um, I thought he, he had an escalator. Um, that was my friend, Mr. Otis. Oh, he had, he had an elevator. Um, do you know what I'm talking but, about when I say escalator? Uh, Schindler brand escalators. It, it, yeah. Well, that's why I said Otis, Otis brand um, elevators. Okay. I assumed that's what it was. Yeah. I don't, read the floor like you do i look up i'm not as introverted as you actually this is from when i was in high school and i just remember being like oh i wouldn't it's cool to know that there's a sequel coming (laughs) um which it raises the stakes um so what what schindler taught us repeatedly was he used to say in our driver's ed class i'm not teaching you how to drive the car a monkey can drive a car your job as a driver is to avoid accidents and be safe. It's to be aware of everything all the time around you and avoid accidents. So putting a, a greater onus on each, each individual saying you should be, even if it's the other, assume all the other drivers are idiots and they're going to try to hit you. You should be doing your best to not let them hit you. Yeah. And that's not saying you're morally or legally or any other kind of way actually responsible if someone manages to hit you, but it's a way to try to avoid being hit, Yeah. which to the victim mentality thing has that same conversation of, you know, when say I was on the subway at night and I get mugged and then there's two schools of thought. Well, what were you doing in the subway? How were you walking? What was your body language? Because there are things you can do to make yourself look less like a victim and reduce the chance of getting oh, yeah. not eliminate, but reduce. Does that make you culpable and responsible for getting mugged or is it it's still the fault of the person who mugged you? Yeah. You know, even if you could have done something to make it less likely, you know, it, it's a weird thing because like you could have, but you're not responsible to do that, but you should because you don't want to get mugged. Yeah, I think and and maybe this is because of my grandfather. Maybe it's not. Um, I compartmentalize vehicle like driving issues from everything else in that morality way. So I'll give you an example. Spoken like a guy who owns a Corvette. That's just because I have a small penis. Um I do have a really funny story for you in a second, but I want to finish this thought. Um, so I, if Sarah is driving, let's say she goes onto a rotary or she does any driving and, and she's, she has the right of way, but somebody doesn't look as though they're going to give her 
the right of way. So yeah, Rotary is the most, mm-hmm. or roundabout um, is the most uh, clear cut way of kind of seeing that is like somebody, yeah, you have the right of way, but that doesn't mean that someone's going to give you the right of way. Yeah. Or four way stop sign. Yeah. Four way stop sign. Yeah. And so sometimes I will like be like, Hey, stop, 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 stop. And she's like, no, I have the right of way. And I'm like, you having the right of way doesn't help me. doesn't bring me back to life. If they slam into the right side of the car because you went and they went like, it doesn't, right. doesn't, doesn't bring me back to life. doesn't save my life. It's not a defensive driver right. mentality. And so like from that perspective, I do, I do kind of think of it differently than, and, but I also think sometimes that's because you're dealing with careless and you're dealing with, in a lot of cases, genuine, you know, who knows that person could have chaotic diarrhea or their wife could be giving birth in the back seat and they're just driving in impaired for all intents and purposes. Well, the, With, my other and I got rear-ended one day on the way to Trader Joe's because the red light turned red. We, the cars in front of us stopped, we stopped and the guy behind us happened to look down to grab his drink. Like you just did um, at the exact wrong time. That when he looked up, it was like, Oh crap, everyone stopped and he hit his brakes and slowed down enough. They didn't do any damage to us, yeah. but he tapped the back of my car that because anyone can be distracted for a second yeah but then the thing is like legally the person who hits you is wrong when you have the right away and they don't yeah but that's you know not a great comfort if you're hospitalized from it right that helps you pay for the medical bills or the funeral i was gonna say or the funeral (laughs) (laughs) but it doesn't bring that person back to life and there's certain things that you just can't but it should and that's my complaint with god yeah you should be able to come back to should be a legal legal department where you can appeal death I, hold yeah. on, I'm writing that down. <laughs> <laughs> that's an idea right there. Maybe for the sketch show. Uh, that's why Jews keep coming back to life. They're so good at the argument. <laughs> Lazarus just had a really good attorney. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, I am writing that down. So last night, so my my two nephews are here with with um, for the week, and so you know they're it's Logan seven. And then we get a nine-year-old and an eleven-year-old, and the three of them get crazy together. And the the eleven-year-old last night in the car is saying something about having a big dick. Um, hold on, I'm writing down appeal death. Um, so the eleven-year-old's talking about how he has a big dick, and you know, and he's just being he's bragging. And and Sarah has to get them some clothes, so she's running into Target. And so she needs to know that. That's good. No, so she gets out of the car, and I, and I turn around. And I'm like, "Listen, guys, here's the deal, okay? There's there's a thing called overcompensation, and people who are really cocky about stuff often are overcompensating because that thing isn't true that they're cocky about." I said, "For example, sometimes someone will claim they have a big dick because they don't really have a big dick, and so like if someone's talking about how big their dick is." chances are they don't have that big of a dick. Like, just keep that in mind when you hear someone. And the 11-year-old goes, I was just joking. And I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> like, at your age, like, I don't think that it's a big deal. I think it's when you hear an adult. And then Logan... No, adults shouldn't be telling little boys they have big dicks. Well, I think there's another conversation you need to have about <laughs> that. You know what I mean. So then Logan, Logan, my little genius Republican, he goes, well, then I have a really small dick. 
And I was like, <laughs> and I start laughing. And he looks at at the at the nine year old, and he goes, "Apparently, overcompensating is just reverse psychology." <laughs> and I was like, "What the fuck? Like, how are we going to deal with you if you're this smart at seven years old? Like, we're in deep shit in in a few years." So, so anyway, that's my that's my son's joke about. Yeah, you're gonna get a call from the school. Um, your son is telling all the girls that they should go out with him because he has a little dick. <laughs> but like seriously, the idea of like coming up with that level is just crazy to me. That's so awesome. Anyway, so the other example that I wanted to come up with of something that I think is like kind of linguistically used, uh, not always, but often. And people look at me like I'm crazy when I say this one too, but I stand by it. Is there's a couple of variations? That's you know, life life isn't fair, or who said life is fair? And I said, and I always think that if if someone says who said life is fair, it's usually after they fucked you out of something, and you said that's not fair. And I, I genuinely, and I, I said that to somebody recently, and they were like, I've never heard anybody say that to me, and and I'm like, eh, there's no way that you've lived your entire life with people being like sorry buddy but life isn't fair but we'll you know like no like it's 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 giving in it's like hey it's not perfect and fuck you for even thinking it's perfect instead of like hey life isn't fair but we can work to make it better yeah i mean i've certainly said that to my children when they were growing up but it wasn't after i made their life miserable it was you know we're going to the zoo today oh look we planned it for two weeks and it's a three day thunderstorm coming in and we're not going. That's not fair. I, I know it's not fair, but we don't control the weather. I mean, yeah, obviously I'm Jewish, so I do control the weather, but you know, I have to put in a, a ticket and it takes time to get processed. You know, the, it's a whole thing. Well, and the space lasers are really difficult to, to target and they're not, they're not really aimed at North Carolina. Yeah. I mean, I, you can, you just have to really request it ahead of time. You know, the ticket system is not great for requesting those things. And I just, I didn't know to check, you yeah. know? Um, I think that you need, I'm going to take you to the Holocaust Museum so that you can learn that the Holocaust is a, was a bad thing. I'm fairly sure I knew that. I went to, you know why I said that though, right? She had to, she, after she said some shit about the Jews, she, they took her to a Holocaust Museum and she's like, oh, apparently it was a bad thing. I didn't, I didn't know know that happened. Yeah. Yeah. I was at the American Jewish History Museum, I'm not sure the exact name, someone with those words in some order, in Philadelphia. Like, I was in Philadelphia on business and got there early, and right next to the hotel was this museum, so I went in. And it starts with, like, Jews in the Revolutionary War, and you know, it's going through this whole history. And when you get to the, you're getting up to 1940, there's a room to go into, and there's an, um, a sign saying, if you're with children, you may want to skip to the 50s, you know, skip this room, because it's a lot of details and specifics. Once again, um, either Mike or I have a bad connection because one of us is frozen. Yeah, I didn't hear it. Um, I'm guessing it's my end because I know that our internet's been like fucking weird since we went back to AT&T, which is irritating. Um, but nobody's here playing Fortnite for once, well. so I'll have to just get, I'll have to tell Sarah. Anyway, well, I didn't hear the end of the story, but did you get to tell it? Yeah. I did, so you'll hear an editing. Yeah. The other, last week's episode, I just was editing it yesterday or the day before, and I was like, oh, I don't remember this. Huh, weird. And I like, But I'm still like, 
look like I'm listening. And then it finally gets to the end <laughs> yeah. of it. And you're like, did you hear any of that? I'm like, no. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's why I was like, I don't think I was spacing out while he was talking. <laughs> hey, when the drugs kick in. Back to the Jewish American Museum. I'm just saying that I, what I said, you'll hear. And everything yeah. was that when, when you got to the 40s, there was a sign saying, if you're with children, you may want to skip this room because oh. it's very graphic and very detailed. Yeah. So like maybe, maybe she, she was there and she skipped that room. So she didn't know everything seemed happy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we she should watch that. She watched the edited version of Schindler's list on TV and it cut out all the bad scenes. <laughs> it was a 20 minute show. We should make, we should make our own museum, not just about, about, um, like Holocaust survivors, but about all Jewish American, well, Jewish Americans, not Jew, Jews in general. And we should call it the Jewish American Museum. And we can have sessions there. That's my jam. And we could have, um, yeah, we could have jam sessions. And <laughs> uh, God damn it, you beat me there a little yeah. bit. Sorry. We could we could have strawberry Jewish Americans at the museum. And we the could redheads. have, uh, we could have, Blueberry Jewish American Museum. Yeah. I am puntastic. Uh, anyway. Instead of boysenberry, it's boy chickenberry. Oh, boy chickenberry. It's a good jam. It's, it's funny if you're Jewish. Mike's not. It's, well, self-hating anti-Semitic partial Jew. Not anti-Semitic. <laughs> Uh, the self-hating part, I can't entirely can't refute. deny that one. <laughs> uh, the partially Jewish part, I can't refute, but I can refute anti-Semitism. Oh my God! So my my nephews have been fighting. They're just actually not only have they been fighting, but they've been fighting with Logan too. And I'm like trying to explain to them, like, okay, guys, I, I, you can't just every time somebody does something, I want you to instead of immediately reacting. Say, hey, please don't do that. That upsets me. That hurts me. That makes me uncomfortable. Whatever. Do that. And then if they don't, then you come tell me or you go, you know, tell Aunt Sarah. So I'm telling them this and and they're just like ignoring me. And I'm like, guys, like seriously, if he pokes you and you don't like it, say it something. Do not immediately punch him in the face. I'm like, and I'm trying to quote, you know, I quoted an eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind. And I'm like trying to get them to, to just like get the point of it. And they're so, they're, oh, they're so stubborn. Well, your son is smart to know, smart enough to know that that's a bullshit thing. The eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind. Because it's an eye for an eye. It's not an eye for random shit. It means if someone pokes out your eye, you poke out their eye and you stop. You're even now. Like it's not poke out both their eyes and kill their family. It was meant to soften the response and say you should do what's appropriate, equal back to somebody, not do worse than them. It wasn't meant to be to say, oh, go be violent. It was meant don't be too violent. Just do what was done to you. Yeah. So here's a story about when my kids were in um, preschool. There was this little girl and she was friends with this little boy who was a twin, had a twin sister. And the twin sister was horribly jealous. They were like three, four years old, horribly jealous that her brother was friends with this little girl and she would pick on her all the time, push her around, shove her, you know, just be physical with this girl all the time. And she was complaining to her mother about it one day. And her mother was a coworker of mine. And I took the girl and I said, Juliana here. And she's in like her mid twenties now. So I'm not worried about using her first name. I said, Juliana, um, here's what you do. If somebody puts their hands on your body in a way that you don't like in class, you tell them, 
please don't touch my body. You're not allowed to touch me like that. And if they do it a second time, you go tell a teacher and you tell them this person touched me or they pushed me or whatever they did. You just go right away and tell a teacher. If they do it again, punch them really hard one time in the face. Yeah. And she goes, okay, that's what I'll do, Mr. Matthew. That's what I'll do. And her mother was like horrified and laughing at the same time. The next day, her mother comes to me in the office and says, we got, we got home last night. And Juliana runs over to Sam, her dad, and goes and says, one of the teachers said, I'm allowed to punch so-and-so in the face if they bother me again. And he was like, the teacher told you you could punch someone in the face. And, and my friend was like, no, not a teacher, Matthew. It was Matthew, not a teacher. Yeah. That's why we don't let you near kids. Um, I was like, that was the rule of my kids. It was the rule when I was growing yeah, up. Yeah. In you know, my the third time, lay him out flat and go for the face because people don't expect to be hit in the face. My dad always said, hit him in the nose because if you can make their nose bleed, it will scare yeah. them. And it yep. makes a big mess. And then they're like, that scares kids. So I got, I feel like I've told you this story before and maybe on the podcast. So I apologize if I'm repeating. But um, I don't listen to you anyway. I was walking home from school when I, you know, like I lived across the street from the school, so it was, was a very the short pants walk. pulling incident. The kid was whacking me with a back with a hockey stick. He was like smacking my ass with a hockey stick, and my dad was like, "Why do you let him do that?" And I was like, "What am I supposed to do?" And I'm I'm probably younger than Logan at this point, I'm six maybe. And he goes, "Next time it happens, turn around, punch him in the nose." He goes, that's all you gotta do. Just punch him in the nose the one time. It'll his nose will bleed and he'll he'll get upset. So the next day he's whacking me in the ass with the hockey stick. I turn around, I go to punch him, he ducks, I hit hit him in the eye, and we get brought to the we get brought to the principal's office, and my parents get called in, and I'm just like sobbing, and uh and the, my parents are like, what happened? And um my the principal says, "Oh, he punched the kid in the eye," and and I was like, "It, it, it or oh, and she said, and he keeps saying it was an accident," and my dad and, and my dad <laughs> kind of like smiles and 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 I was, and he goes like, he and and she goes, "Explain to your parents," and I said, "It was an accident. I was trying to punch him in the nose. <laughs> I missed, of course. and of course, and." So yeah, I think my dad was like, hey, if you didn't, you don't handle the problem, he handles the problem. That's the way it works. I think what I learned growing up is if there was an accident like that, it was the other kid's fault for his eye being there. Yeah. Yeah. He should have parked his eye somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I, I had a thing in elementary school, a little older, I think probably like fifth or sixth grade, where somebody gave me that shove on the schoolyard that's supposed to be shove, 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 shove scuffle. Shoved me one time, and I just reared back and punched him in the face as hard as I could. And he had braces, and like it tore up the inside of his mouth, so he's suddenly spitting blood because his braces cut his cheek. Hmm. And the gym teacher pulls me aside and says, "Punch him in the stomach, not in the face." Nice. Yeah, they didn't call him parents. Just punch him in the stomach next time, not his face. We're gonna have like another five minute episode uh, for for the regular listeners. Those regular listeners are gonna be like, "Oh, goddamn! There's no sense. This is just." mid-sentence and then so anyway (laughs) so for the regular listeners here's another thing um i think there's a problem in our society people who mistake stoicism for masculinity or maturity or a combination of both and part of part of that gets the victim culture kind of as a negative thing as well 
of if I if I'm able to beat you in an argument by making you lose your temper and get emotional, I win. So yes. like being cruel to you, if you react to it, you're weak. So it's a you're a victim and ha ha, you're a victim. You, you're you're a lesser because you're a victim. Yeah. Rather than you know, you're being the victimizer is the lesser person. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that's something uh, that kind of goes to the victim. I'm not gonna. You tried to get me last week to say it, but I'm not going to say the N word. Uh, never going to happen. Um, but uh, one of the things that I think that I've heard in the last, uh, actually, I heard it first in high school. So that was 20 years ago, but I've heard it every once in a while. Like the, this concept kind of resurfaces, which is that being called a bigot is worse than being called a slur. Uh, or as as bad as being called a slur, or you know, there's variations on the on the theme. Right. But I think the ultimate idea there is like, hey, pointing out that I'm victimizing you makes me a victim. So fuck off. Like I think that's what it ends up be- ends up being. So it's like, hey, this time it made me feel bad. It, if I can't call you the n word, you know, like, yeah. Because so. that goes back to the the old joke of. If, if there's two different words that you're saying are equal and one of them you say like racist and the other one you abbreviate because you won't say it, they're not equal. Yeah. The one that you're not saying is the worst word. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, is that the point? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, yesterday at work, uh, two women that I work with were talking about uh, the summer I turned pretty, I think it was. And they were kind of comparing it to twilight and one of the girls i work with says oh well he's an he's an edward and i don't always hear great and when you say an edward <laughs> it doesn't say, like you wouldn't refer to an a matthew or a mike that often like using an indefinite mm-hmm. article in front of a name is is fairly infrequent and so she said an edward and i like i like headphones off stood up and i'm like excuse like what and she's like what and i was like did you just say somebody's an n-word and she goes no i don't say that <laughs> word michael and and i was like no no not the word the actual phrase uh, and, and and i don't think she understood that because she said an edward that it sounded like an n-word so anyway but it'd be a very funny sketch just write that down because you can have her say no i said an edward that's a great you know like you could just, it'd be like a who's on first kind of thing repeated repeatedly yeah i'm writing it down mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very I'm, good. God forbid anybody finds my notes when I like if I die. <laughs> Appeal death and Edward. Hmm. Uh, our one our one listener has listened to every episode. He's like, oh, he's about to tell the n the n word game. Every story. time you start using the n word, it reminds me of it. Well, it's good that that's your one n word story because <laughs> because I my n word stories are vastly <laughs> endless. Worse. I'm from Boston, I'm from Massachusetts. <laughs> a hundred of them. No, we don't. We're not racist against. So, in Boston, I grew up, in Boston, Boston, we're not racist. No term. Yeah, we're not racist. You just said the word. Yeah, Massachusetts people aren't racist against um, other races. We're racist against other whites. I, I always say that to people when people are like, people down here when they're like, oh, well, Massachusetts is pretty racist, isn't it? And I'm like, yeah, but not in the way you would think. Like, it's not like so much like, oh, it's whites versus blacks or anything. It's more like it's Irish versus Italians or. <laughs> it's the Polish in Waltham, and a friend of mine who does stand up is good friends with Jimmy Walker, um, who was JJ on yeah, Good Times. Dynamite. For those of you playing along, Dino Mike. Um, yeah, and so 
whenever Jimmy is in the Southeast, Andy is his um, feature. He always calls him and he, he comes up and features for him. And which uh, for the non-stand-up uh, people, it means he's the middle act. Like the yeah. local host is there, then Andy, and then uh, Jimmy is the thing. So a couple times now, I've, I've met I've met Jimmy Walker because I'm friends with Andy and they're in town. And I've gone to see the show or whatever. And the first time I met him, I said, you know, one of my favorite jokes from like the early '80s was like I saw it like one in the morning watching Caroline's or you know or the Improv or something like that. The Improv, you know, stand-up clip show at night. And he, his response was, oh, which joke was it? I probably still used it in my act tonight. And uh, it was paraphrased because I won't use the words that he used in, in the 80s. He said, I was just reading the news about um, all the violence in Ireland. And apparently they're killing each other for being Irish Catholic or being Irish Protestant, which just goes to show you in a country with no blacks and Mexicans, people get creative with their hate. <laughs> That's what Massachusetts is like. Yeah, that's what you reminded me of. Because <laughs> you're all Irish. <laughs> no, there, there's. It's funny too because most people. I, I've only heard one person that I know deny that Massachusetts has like a bigotry problem, and and he's almost certainly a bigot from everything I've seen. Um, he's went. To you know, high, calling him that is worse than being one. It is. It's true. Um, but I will say that, like in high school, he said to me. Um, we were talking about American History X, and he said that was a great movie. Unfortunately, the ending ruined it. Uh, well, when he stopped being racist, yes, that's exactly <laughs> what he meant. Um, but like, yeah, so like, I think he is a racist. But I remember him getting all bent out of shape one day and being like, and saying, "How can a place be racist?" And it's like, you fucking know how a place can be racist. It's not that like the city of Boston as a as a big, you know, a meteor crashed there thousands of yeah. years ago, and it radiates racism if you stand there too long. Yeah, it's not like the city itself gets up like Transformer style and is like, damn Yankee fans. Yeah. So, anyway, life isn't fair, and and that guy's just being a victim. I don't have much else. Um, what you t you want to talk about? Embrace the void at all? Since uh, I don't know timing, so probably by the time this airs, I would have been on Embrace the Void. So if you're coming here because you listen to me on Embrace the Void, what are you thinking? Yeah, I'm really hoping that depending on what his timing is on releasing Embrace the Void, that this is the episode that comes out and not last week's. Um, because as soon as you said like, oh, I'm going to be on Embrace the Void and I'll plug the show. I was like, fuck, we did a shoot the shit episode that means nothing. Yeah. Um so like I, I hope I'm hoping that people this is their first episode. Put it in the description. Don't make this your first episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What was the topic you guys talked about? Um, he wanted to talk about sex what thing. it's like to run a secular um uh grassroots group. And cool. it's hard for me to say describe much because one of the things we talked about was that our group is a community-based group to build community, but it's also an activist group and it's also got education things. And part of his pushback was, are you biting off more than you can chew, trying to be all things to all people? And um, I said, yeah, we are. But also there's not a lot of other organizations. Like we don't have, like unless we splintered and formed four different organizations, we uh, kind of need to do all the things. Yeah. So, because, um, you know, there's other groups, but not, with the resources we have and you know they wouldn't and, and 
not necessarily the same way. You know, there's there's other secular groups in the area, but they don't meet as often. They don't do as many things. They they and they have a tighter focus, which is great. And if you want to go to there for their focus, that's awesome. But we um, intentionally are kind of more things to more people. Yeah. I um. I, I wish thinking... I had thought of the example of McDonald's. I was if I had, I thought of it afterwards, saying like you know McDonald's. They could say, oh, we sell hamburgers and french fries. But no, they also sell ice cream once a year when the machine works. They also sell fish fillets. They also sell the uh, you know, McChicken that you know, they try. They sell chicken nuggets, which they corn the market on. You know, they make a rent occasionally, serve. although they might, RIP might be dead now. Yeah, they, they, you know, they do have things for other people besides their core yeah. menu items. And it's just a matter of segmentation in your marketing to let people, the right people know about the right things. Well, I'm going to start a, cons- I'm going to start a competitive atheist group for uh, trans, uh, transphobic atheists. Uh, we'll call ourselves the Dawkins Society. And nice. um, have you been, do you listen, have you been listening to Thomas Smith's new show? Um, where There's Woke. Where There's Woke. Uh, I, I listened. I'm a patron. I listened to the first episode and I listened to the newest episode, or I was listening to the newest episode when I came home today. Um, and uh, it was. Oh, Eli as Dawkins. Eli as Dawkins was amazing. I mean, it's just his British guy voice. But... Yeah, yes, of course I'm transphobic. <laughs> it's, it's my... There's a woman here. Is she on her, mo- her moonshade? <laughs> <laughs> You can attract bears that I don't have any honey. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Everyone, uh, listen to Where There's Woke. It's a really um, fun podcast. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, I was going to say, I feel like that some of that topic ends up co- co-mingling with our topic right now, which is like this idea of, of the, you know, the way that like calling a bigot is as bad as the N-word. Like all this woke, all the anti-woke shit is kind of like, hey, like I'm not a bad person just because I don't think gays are people. Like, don't call me a bad person. And I think that we've kind of gotten to that point where, by basically, especially when you think about what the word woke means, even if you're not using it the way, even if you're not thinking of it that way, you understand what you know, most people understand to some extent the concept. And so, like, it's kind of like saying like we're the douchebag society, but like. You know, like by saying we're not we're not the non woke people. You know, we're. I saw a really good TikTok explaining um, woke. It touches a little on CRT also, but it's mostly about woke. I will find the link and send it to you, yeah. so you can stick it in the show notes. Yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know what woke really means, um, it was really good. Yeah, but but, but kind of it does. It, you know what I'm saying? It overlaps. Yeah. It's like it's the same mentality. But I think it's the same thing as the victim as a slur too. The more they attack being woke, the more people are either trying not to use the term yeah. or spending yeah, yeah. their time defending and defining the term instead of talking about the issues. And that's probably the, the point strategy. Yeah. 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 Well, it, I'm excited for whatever the next thing is going to be the next version. So it was PC and then it was, I'm sure before it was PC, it was something else. It was, but then it was PC. Then it was, Oh God, I've already forgotten the middle ones. There was a couple in the middle before it became woke. Uh, CRT was, you know, well, that was a specific category. Right? But I'm saying, yeah, like, but they, but they used it. The yeah, same, yeah. I mean, they, they use it as a catch-all. What I don't mean is a, uh, yeah, you're right. But I mean, like, I'm talking about like woke is a, is a direct replacement for P for politically correct. And then there was another one in between there, whereas CRT was a wedge issue, nothing issue. I don't, I don't know that I'd say woke is a direct thing. The I way that it's treated that I think the way it, that's it, being used, the people, now. the people against it 
use it the same way. And, well, and, and the real use is not. And I would like, say politically even, correct just meant be careful about what you say so you don't offend someone. You know, right. don't use offensive terms when you don't have to. That's politically correct. Woke was more be aware of the situation yeah. and what people are going through. It's, no. it's a deeper thing. Yes, yeah. But I do think as a woke in its true form is not. But I think woke in the way the people who are against yeah. it. But also a lot of the people who are trying to be woke are using it as politically correct too. You know, there's a lot and it's mostly those of yeah. us with this going on. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think part of the expression of it is probably BPC is like, is like the, the ground level easiest thing you can do. Be politically correct on what you say. That's the bottom level. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, so so it might be what you see as a superficial thing. Yeah, yeah. certainly, certainly, you have a, 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 that I, I will concede that. I just mean white, yeah. white liberals yeah. and, and people who aren't as woke as they think they are. Right. Think it's just that, or even people <laughs> who are like, yeah, yeah, who aren't as truly woke. They, you know, people who are trying their best genuinely, but are just detached from some of the more nuanced shit. Yeah. The same people. Like my parents, my parents who are hardcore hippies, they haven't changed, their politics haven't changed, or we left, but they don't know the current terminology of yeah. what's popular on the internet. So they, they're woke, but they don't know they are. They don't know what the word means. They yeah. only you know hear whatever the bubbles up to their level. You know, so as aware of they are of racial issues and discrimination, they don't necessarily know that's what woke refers to yeah. because they hear the negative version. Yeah, it's true. But they don't watch Fox News. I'll just say for the record, I probably said it before, but when they first moved down here and they got cable TV and my boys were little, they put parental block on Fox News so my children wouldn't accidentally be exposed. They're good grandparents. They're good grandparents. All right. Do we want to wrap this episode up? Um, I, I, I guess we probably should. Okay. Is there anything other than Embrace the Void that you want to promote? Yeah, so check out my appearance and embrace the void. I may talk badly about this podcast on it, or honestly. I'm ex- um, I'm ex- I've been checking every day to see if it's downloaded because I want to listen to it. Um, every day. I recorded it two days ago. Yeah, I've checked at <laughs> least six times. Give Louisa a chance to edit it. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, not, nothing else big. But then, actually, I'm going to send this link uh, to the TikTok. So look in our notes for the TikTok and um, check that out. Maybe listen, watch the, the person's other TikToks because they're funny. Cool. And I don't think I have anything I want to promote. Um, we'll say we're recording uh, We're recording this episode for, we're, we're recording ahead a couple weeks or so, because uh, I won't be able to record next week, because next week I will be uh, in my victory lap of my 30s. And so Sarah told me to take that day off of recording, so that's why we'll be doing the second episode tonight. Cool beans. Yeah. All right, we'll stop this one. If I can wrap us up, I would just say thanks, everyone, for listening to us talk about the big stuff. And just because we said we're talking about the big stuff doesn't mean it's not big stuff. Sometimes it is big stuff when you say it's big stuff. Yep, that's true. And sometimes, uh, like last week when we talked about the small stuff, it was actually big stuff, too. Um, maybe even maybe that's even the biggest stuff of all. That's because uh, overcompensation is just reverse psychology. <laughs> that's what my seven-year-old friend told me. <laughs> <laughs> He's too fucking smart. The preceding podcast has been a Chocolate Diamond Media LLC production. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved.